Hey everybody, welcome. I'm so glad you're out there. You are tuning in to the series called Fruit of the Spirit, and today we are talking faith, faithfulness. It is the seventh fruit of the Spirit, and faith is something we all might struggle with. I think we're going to all relate to this one uh, because we're gonna learn so much about the different aspects of faith and maybe the different levels of faith that you might have and how it's changed over the years. So I can't wait to get started in it. I see a lot of you tuning in and I'm so glad to welcome you. And so I ask as we begin, how is your faith? Oh, what? How is your trust in God? Do you really trust him completely? Do you? I mean, let's hope we do, but sometimes our faith gets tested. So there's a four-year, I have a little story about a four-year-old boy who spilled his soft drink on the floor and he, he was trying to clean it up and his mom told him to go get the mop and it was just outside the back door. So quickly he ran to the back door and he opened it just as he realized it was dark outside. So he was suddenly scared and he told his mother what the problem was. Well, mother assured him and she told him that Jesus is everywhere. He is even in dark places and that God will protect him. You can trust in God. Has anybody ever told you that? So that put a smile on his face and he opened that door just enough to poke his, his head outside and he said, Jesus, if you're out there, can you pass me the mop? Does that describe anybody's faith <laughs> that you trust a little bit but aren't certain and you want God to do the work for you? <laughs> oh, I love that story. I also saw this cartoon about Peter's faith. So Jesus is in the water and he is, he's calling Peter to come and to, to walk out to him. And what we see in the picture is that Peter is on the boat and he has one of those ch child inflatable inner tubes around him that with a little duck on it and he's standing there like, oh, I think I can trust you, but I'm not really sure. Does that describe any of you today? You know, we think we can do it, but we're not willing to go all in. We're not willing to be like the little boy and just step outside in faith into the darkness. And we may not be like Peter, who is willing to jump in, fully trusting in God. So we're going to talk about that today when we talk about faithfulness, the fruit of faithfulness. It's number seven on this list that we, we read in Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23. Now, again, each week I am having you say the, the list. Really, the fruit of the Spirit is just one fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is what the scripture says. But, but we have been given descriptions. Paul gives a list of nine descriptions of this fruit, and we're on number seven. So now then, you get your list out uh, if you need it, but try to rely on your memory. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Those are the nine we're focusing on. Now, this morning, for just a minute, I want us to focus on the attitude connected with each of those fruit. See, some of those have an outward attitude. That would be like kindness and goodness. See, when we hear those words, we automatically think of doing things for others. Well, others have an inward an inner attitude, and that would be love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and self-control and the one today, faithfulness. It's what's going on inside us. So let's make sure we know what the word faith means. You know, I've asked you to think about that word and to give a definition for that word. So get that out if you wrote that down, and if not, just be thinking of what is faith? Well, we're going to look at the biblical meaning of faith. And here is what it is. Faith is trust, confidence in, and assurance. You can use the word trust. It's trust, it's confidence in, it's assurance. And we get that from the Greek translation. This is what Paul was using when he wrote about faithfulness. He used pistis, it's P-I-S-T-I-S. -I -I and that translates to trust, confidence in, and assurance. But somewhere along the way, when words were getting translated, it went through various iterations. One of them was to Latin. And with Latin, there was an additional understanding of the word. And, and then here is what some people think that, that faith really is. It is a firm belief in something for which there is no proof. Now that last part is where we get in trouble. Faith is this firm belief in something for which we don't have proof. That can be a dangerous thing for Christians to, to think that we are believing in something for which there is no proof. Because, think about it, we have a lot of proof that we can trust in God. We have an entire Bible filled with proof with evidence. We have the entire New Testament that's filled with proof about who Jesus is and what he can do. So we have a firm belief in things that we can't see, but not in things that we cannot prove. Well, uh, it's dangerous ground for those who don't have the full understanding for what faith is. Let's look at an example uh, of this. When Jesus told a blind man, that if he washed in the pool of Siloam, he would be healed. Well, this blind man had faith in, he had confidence, he trusted, he had an assurance that Jesus meant what he said, he had a promise. It wasn't just something he didn't have evidence of. He was healed because he trusted, and that is more than just this belief. Well, let's look at some more aspects of faithfulness. Faithfulness now is related to trust and it's related to loyalty and having confidence and assurance. That means these things, these bullet points. We trust that what God says in the Bible is true. We trust in it. We believe in it and we trust it to be true. 
uh, and more so than what the world tells us. Next, we trust that he will work everything out for good because that's what Bi the Bible tells us, that he will work out things for good to those who what? Who trust him, who believe in him and live according to his will. That's what he promises. And he, we can trust he will work out his will in our lives. He will work it out if we let him. Then we can trust that our situation on earth is nothing compared to what it's going to be with our future reward in heaven. That's a promise we can believe. So it's having this trust that God is who he says he is in the Bible, and we continue to believe that in spite of now, you all know, if you've, you've listened to me for any length of time, you know when I start using that, that word, in spite of, or even though, that introduces us to the list of things that we're going through. Our circumstances, our troubles, our diagnosis, our sad situation at home, our uh, financial situation, bad relationships, whatever it is. We can trust him to be who he says he is. So essentially, this faithfulness to God is loyalty to him, loyalty to him and his teachings, which are supposed to shape how we think, how we feel, what we say, and how we act. That's, all, that's the big picture, the big package. That's what our trust in him leads us to do that's when we start spilling all this fruit. The only way we can have such trust, such faith, and to be faithful is through the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're studying, how the Holy Spirit fills us with all of these traits. He fills us with faithfulness, with faith. The Spirit makes us faithful. And then this is a promise to the degree to which we will accept that faithfulness. Nobody can force that trust on us. It develops over time. So if you're still struggling in your faith journey and, and you are not really all in when it comes to fully trusting God, that is, that is natural because it is a process and we want to grow our faith and continue to learn. It's a process. Now let's look at some truths that we find in scripture. Faith always comes from God and involves his, his revelation that faith is beyond belief. And, and what we're going to learn is that demons believe. Demons believe, but they do not experience faith. And how do we know? Because James 2 verse 19 tells us that. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. <laughs> That James, I love it. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. You see, <laughs> James just cuts to the chase. He said, okay, you say you have faith and, and that you believe there's one God. Well, good for you. But he said, even demons do that. So there's more than just belief. Faith is always this gift from God and, and never something that, that we can produce in ourselves. Uh, how do we know? It's in scripture. Romans 12, verse 3, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Oh, we could sit and unpack every word in that verse 
be honest in how we see ourselves when it comes to faith and measure ourselves. See, we are to measure ourselves and measure our degree of faith by the faith that God has put, he's given it to us. Look at what Ephesians 2 says. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for that. It's a gift from God. This faith that he has given us is his gift. I see that Elaine has posted, I love this gift. <laughs> I love it. It's something he gave us. We can't earn it. Now, I want you to follow this order when we're talking about grace. I mean, we're talking about faith and works. Faith is this divine response that comes from God through the work of the Holy Spirit. And then faith comes before works because works are a response to faith. Okay, I hope you're, you are getting that because that gives us the picture. We don't do works to get faith. That's, that's not how it works. No, God, this, this idea of faith comes from God and, and it comes to us through the work of the Holy Spirit who is, who is asking us to come, come closer, come and follow, follow God. And then when we do, we have the faith and what that produces in us, that produces in us this idea of works and doing good, spilling fruit. That's what it means. Um, okay, I hope you're connecting all those dots. If not, go back and listen to this part again because that gives us the, the uh, connection and it gives us the starting place and what happens to us as a result of getting faith. Hebrews 11 is often called the faith chapter and it lists what it is called the heroes and heroines of the faith. Uh, and what you're going to see is that the faithful acted Keep that in mind. They acted. They did works in response to their faith in God. So we're going to see this, this uh, the action of faith as defined with the word pistis in, in uh, the Greek, which is going to be the trust that they had in God. The evidence that they had is shown up in the work that they do. Here's what Hebrews 11 verse 1 says. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's what we hope for and it's that, that meaty substance of the things that we're hoping and praying for, but the evidence is just not, we don't see it, but we know that God is working in us because we trust him. Now, it, this chapter goes on to produce a list of the faithful. And we studied the book of Hebrews not too long ago. And if you're unfamiliar and didn't get in on that study, I would encourage you to, to go back and either do that study or go back and read Hebrews 11 to see the list. What we see in verse seven is by faith, this is how he did it. He didn't have anything to see, to know he could trust God. He had experience, so by faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land, you know? He was warned about something he couldn't see, and he acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. His, and get this, circle this, act of faith, drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. That's the difference. We draw that line ourselves when we act in faith. 
we draw that line and we say, this is where God is. And on the other side of that line are unbelievers. As a result, that's another important three words. As a result, as a result of his act of faith, look what happened to Noah. He became intimate with God. That's what happens to us when we act in faith. When we step out, we go into the darkness, we jump into the water afraid. That's what happens. We get closer to God. That's our whole point here. We're supposed to get closer to God. I can see you're loving that one. Yes, so notice following the act of faithfulness, his good work, Noah became intimate with God. Look at verses eight and nine. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes. He said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. And when he left, he had no idea where he was going. <laughs> By an act of faith, he lived in the country, promised him, lived as a stranger camping in tents. You know, that's what he did. An act of faith, he stepped out and went somewhere. He didn't know where he was going. And then look what his wife did in verse 11. By faith, Baron Sarah was able to become pregnant. Old woman as she was at the time. <laughs> I use the NLT version. I love the way it says that. Because she believed the one who made a promise would do what he said. That's what she, she believed in. And she acted on it. Notice in that chapter, there are going to be a list of a lot of others. Listen to this list. There's Abel. These are the list of the faithful. Abel, Enoch, Jacob, Esau, Joseph, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, the whole list, a whole list of people. These were the, the, some were quite faithful, but some of them sort of had a fickle faith, just like us, but they're still listed. They're still in there. I like what Susie just posted about faith and what ML King said. Faith is taking the first step down a staircase, but not seeing the others not seeing the other steps. That's stepping out without knowing what's there. Uh, so while all of these listed in as faithful in the, in the uh, Acts 11, I mean Hebrews 11, they measure, had some measure of faith. And, and their purpose is to point us to God, not to hold them up as exemplars, as just the epitome of faith, but to point us to God so that we too can be formed in his likeness. Let's be careful not to put Bible characters on pedestals. We just have snapshots from their lives which were imperfect and they're recorded in scripture to direct us to God so that we can learn from them. We can learn from the good and from the bad choices that they make. You know, they based their lives on being faithful to God, but sometimes they veered off the path just as we do. But they point us to faith. The truth is that, is that we're all a bit faith-challenged, 
and we are works in progress. You know, we have to be careful about holding up people as role models. We have to be careful who we select because their they're, people are just human. And so we want to be careful to understand that we're all a little faith challenge and we all have some explaining to do, don't we? Uh, look at the way Paul understood this. It's found in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, um, and it says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. See, in other words, we should only be like Paul as he is being like Christ. That's the pattern we follow. You know, Paul had some hang-ups, didn't he? Especially those that he had before he became a follower of Christ. But even after, he said that, that he was carrying around some issues. We don't know what they were, but he had them also. He struggled with contentment. And look at all the good he did. So let's keep that in mind as we are evaluating, as Scripture says for us to do, evaluating our own faith journey. Uh, all of these lived and died in faith. But here's, here's the reality. They never received all the promises of God on earth. And neither will we. They won't receive everything. They won't receive everything, but they will receive a measure that will keep them walking faithful. You know what they didn't? Those that were listed there did not receive the, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, but we did. We have that. These uh, men and women of faith saw the promise in the distance. Oh my goodness, I love that. Look at this summary that's found in Hebrews 11, verse 13. All these died in faith and received not the promises, but saw them afar off. They saw them and they believed them. And then they received them thankfully and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Wow, that's another one that you could sit and unpack for the rest of the day. Look at all that is in there. They did not know or understand all the promises, but they could see it in the distance. They saw it in the distance. Guess how I describe that? They were on the righteous road. If you've been a part of this entire series, you know what I'm talking about. And if not, here is what I'm talking about. I can see you like it. Oh, the righteous road is that road, that path we're on where we can see off in the distance. God, we see Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and we're doing everything we can to walk toward him, to run toward him. That's what those faithful followers could see that we read about in Hebrews 11. They saw it afar, and we do too. We see the promises of life on earth when we trust, and we see the promise of eternal life when we get to the end of that road. They saw God at the end of it, and they kept moving toward him. Even when they, were, they had to veer off the path, even when those people in the left lanes, those agitators and irritators, even when they moved them off the path, even when Sarai was, was frustrated and she gave Hagar to her husband Abraham to have a baby, she, did, she veered off, didn't she? She veered off that lane of God's promises. 
But she came back. She came back faithful. Even uh, when Abraham, Abraham made bad choices. He, he lied about Sarah as his wife, but then he came back and that's the message for us. We don't wanna hold them up as perfect. We just hold them up as faithful. Wow, does that speak to anybody today? We wanna travel down that righteous road and demonstrate faithfulness. Would you say that they had great faith? Wow. Do you have that kind of faith? Now, this is where we're going to get into evaluation. <laughs> okay, so, you know, I'm a former school teacher. I taught high school for 25 years, and, you know, so we always had evaluations after learning took place. Oh, I see you're loving all of that. That's so good to hear. Did you know that you can increase your level of faith? Some people think that faith is fixed at a certain level, and it's just you either have it or you don't. Whoa, did that rock anybody's boat? Some people, now I'm not saying salvation. I'm saying this trust, this confidence in God to be who he says he is. It's not fixed. We can grow. But the Bible speaks of those who have no faith, little faith, and great faith. Those three. That is a continuum, and y'all know how I love to talk about continuums. There's no faith, then there is a little bit of faith, and then there is great faith. And where are you in the continuum? That's what we're talking about. Let's see what Jesus says about it. He says in Matthew 6, verse 30, And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? See, Jesus said you could have a little bit. And then in Matthew 8, 26, here's what Jesus said. Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. That's what he tells us when we are afraid. That's what he told the little boy standing on the porch that I described in the uh, beginning of this lesson. He, he was to tell the little boy, you have little faith. Step out in the darkness. I'm here for you. And then you know what he did? He got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. And suddenly there was great Calm. Wow. And then look at what he says in Matthew 16, verse 8. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, You have so little faith. Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Now, this is what he said to his disciples when he was getting ready to do the miracle and feed 5,000 people. But they were whining to say, We just don't have it. We don't have enough. And they were the closest people on earth to Jesus. But they had a little bit of faith. Wow, we're in good company, aren't we? Well, other passages tell us that we need to have enough faith. We need to have enough faith before God answers our prayers. Matthew 13, 58 says, and so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Wow, Jesus packed up and moved on when he got into a crowd of people that didn't have enough faith to believe him. Wow, he packed up and just moved on. He says, you have to have enough faith to see, to trust me with your situation, with your circumstance, to see what I can do. Now, this is, does not mean he's going to perform miracles uh, when, uh, it, you know, those are rare these days, miracles like that. But he will perform blessings. He will see us through, and he will show us on the other side how he is helping us, 
helping us get through it and how he's using that. That's what he will do. And look at what he said in Matthew 21, verse 22. You can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. Pray. Pray with faith, and you will receive it. Now, then, let's, let's, I don't have time to go through a lengthy explanation for that, but I do need to clear up. We can't just pray that we'll have everything we want and we get it. No, we pray because when we pray as we are to pray, then we pray that, that in God's will. We pray in your will. I'm asking that in your will, I want to be in the middle of your will. And then we will receive the things that are in his will. Do you see that? That distinction is really important. But then let's look in Matthew 8, verse 10. Jesus was impressed by the great faith of a Gentile. Okay, remember a Gentile is a non-Jew. Jesus was moving his ministry into the Gentile world, and he is really impressed by a, a centurion. And so here's what he says in Matthew 8, verse 10. He said, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel, <laughs> not even among the Jews. And here's the backstory. Jesus is referring to the centurion, who was this really courteous, humble, and good man. And he did, he loved the Jewish people, and he even built them a synagogue. But he knew that he did not deserve anything from God uh, or from Jesus Christ. But despite he had this really high standing uh, in the Roman army, and he and he had done a lot of really good works, good things. But he was knew he was unworthy to meet Jesus. But he had a need, and so Jesus he believed in Jesus because he knew the story of Jesus, and he knew that if Jesus wanted to heal somebody, that he would heal somebody. And the centurion wanted Jesus to heal his servant. And so he goes to Jesus and he makes that request. And he had faith. His belief gave him a foundation of faith. That's where it starts. A belief and then faith. And then we begin to act on our faith. Our belief is when we say, yes, Jesus is real. He is, he is Lord, and I have faith, and I will trust him. As a result, I'm going to spill fruit all over the place. And you know what? He told Jesus in faith, he said in Matthew 8, 8, only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. He believed that. He believed it. His faith was, was great. And, and you know what? He believed in an idea that not many people at that time believed in. And he wasn't a, an avid follower of Jesus. And as a result, Jesus marveled in this man's great faith. And he healed his servant from a distance by the power of his word. That's great faith. Uh, this truly is, is a great faith when you can believe in something and trust it to happen, even if it's not happening in front of you. Wow. Well, that's how we believe, that's how we build our faith. You know what? It, it, the real difference between those who have no faith, little faith, and great faith is the great faithful let go. Those two words, they let go. They let go. They let go of fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, 
disagreements, lack of forgiveness, they let go because they have great faith. Now, is that addressing anybody's issues? To what degree do you let go? Well, let's look at those terms, great faith and little faith, and let's define that a little bit more because what I'm doing is I'm taking us on this journey so that we can find ourselves in the no faith, little faith, and great faith scale that's in the Bible. So some truths um, are easy to accept and others are difficult. If you believe something that is difficult to accept or trust, then you have great faith. If you do not believe that something about something that is relatively easy to get and to believe in, you have little faith. Well, these might include these statements. A, a man named Jesus existed. That takes a little faith, doesn't it? Or how about this? I am a sinner. You know, that takes just a little bit of faith. And almost everybody accepts these, including many non-Christians. Yet people with little faith do not even understand or believe these truths. Some people don't even get that. People with little faith have trouble simply believing elementary, introductory truths of Scripture, such as this one, God is love. Some people have a really hard time with that. And Jesus gives eternal life to anyone who believes in him. Some people have a really hard time believing that. For some of you, that is a real, those are real easy concepts. For others, it is really hard. And that means they have a little faith. As simple as these truths are, many don't believe them. But there are a lot of other truths in Scripture that are hard for people to believe. People who believe these really difficult truths have a great faith, just like we saw in the centurion. It was hard to believe that, that this man, Jesus, who is a Jew, could actually heal his servant who was far away. That's a hard concept to believe, but he did. It took great faith to believe that. For example, look at this difficult concept found in Philippians 4 verse 19. God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. If you believe that, if you've experienced that, then you are demonstrating great faith. That's a hard concept to believe. It takes great faith to trust God to take care of all of your needs, whether it's financial, spiritual, emotional, mental. It, it takes a lot of faith to truly trust that God can do that. So assess yourself and determine if you have a little faith and you believe the little things or if you have great faith and you're willing to, <clears throat> two words, let go. Well, let me explain some more about this process because I want to keep painting the picture so you can find yourself because here's, here's what we're all doing. We're trying to grow. We're trying to grow as we go down the righteous road, aren't we? That's what our whole purpose is, to continue to grow and be faithful so we can keep spilling the good fruit. So what this is called in this process of becoming more faithful, having greater faith, it's called sanctification the process of sanctifying our lives 
through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's the process of growing closer to Christ through, through his direction and trusting him. Here is what it, it boils down to. It's, it's going down this road of life and giving him more of ourselves by trusting him more, more in the really hard things. And this applies to all aspects of our life. Do we trust him with what we think? With, with what we feel, with what we say every day, with what we do every day. See, that's what sanctification is, growing closer in all aspects of life. This is called a spiritual growth journey. It's our journey of faith. It's a journey. And this process of sanctification is, is called walking in the way. Walking in the way, the way of Christ. It's God's way. It's the way that Christ would have us to walk. It's the way the Holy Spirit whispers for us to walk. It's where he produces fruit in us. See, this fruit today, faithfulness, is such a core because what happens in our faith journey is that our journey is where the Holy Spirit is producing our faith. And so if we can stay faithful in this lane of righteousness, then he can produce more fruit in us for us to spill. Well, our faithful, faith commitment is, is this ongoing journey. Dr. James Fowler is the foremost researcher on faith de development, um, and he refers to faith as a verb. He says to faith, to faith, involves continual growth and nurture from less to more mature stages, from less to more. Anybody want more? That's what I want. I want more. I want more faith. As we mature in faith, we move beyond this idea of belief in God toward a deep abiding in God. And so that means that in order to move from here to here, we become not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Okay, is this making sense? Do you see back here in little faith, we just start accepting the simple concepts. We all have to start somewhere, don't we? We start with simple concepts. God loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. We begin little. And then as we move along life's journey, the hard things begin to hit us. And sometimes they, they knock us off uh, our path and, and make us imbalanced. And we have to trust deeper and harder and we dig more into scripture and we study more until we get to the point where we say, wow, he has seen me through here and here and here and here and I know I can trust him. How about that picture? You love it, I can tell. It's so true for us. Well, um, I did my doctoral dissertation uh, 13 years ago, and guess what my topic was? Faith development. That's why I'm so very passionate about this lesson. Um, it was based on the works of Dr. Fowler that I mentioned, and it, his faith development theory. And he says we have six stages of faith development, and we can find ourselves in these stages. I've begun to describe those by talking about no faith, little faith, and great faith. And we can look back over where we were in our life and see how we grew, 
where we stopped, where we went backward, and where we got sort of stuck. We can look back on our lives. And sometimes we find that we cycle in and out of these stages. We get down the road a little bit and then we go back. Anybody done that? So find yourself in the descriptions I'm getting ready to, to share with you. We begin as children uh, learning to trust through the care of their parents and their primary caregivers. And then as we grow, we begin to learn the stories of the Bible. See, that's how we start our little faith journey. Uh, we begin to study about people and we learn about church and the rituals of the church. And then we begin to develop respect for people in the church, for leaders and for teachers and pastors and people who are involved in ministry. And then we start to believe and then our faith grows from there. So you see, that's, that's the early part of our faith growth. No matter what our age, you know, for many of us, it happens early on in life. And we grew up as babies starting to develop that kind of faith and trust in God. Well, the next step begins usually when people are teenagers and we begin to think and act like our peers do. And we see we adopt the thinking of our peers and we begin to act like they do. Now, most people in this stage see themselves as believing what everybody else believes. Can you see that? Believing the way everybody else believes and would be reluctant to stop believing what everybody else believes because they need to feel connected and stay with the group. So why would they start believing new things if the group doesn't? Do you see how very important it is in those young years to have a peer group that is connected to the values that, that you want your children and grandchildren to hold on to, that is critical so that we are influenced by those who share the values of, of Christianity and faith. And so, but this is where many people fall into that category of, um, that's what they believe, so that is what I will believe. Well, you know what? It turns out that most Christians stay in that group they say stuck right there. They never grow out of this phase. They stay right there. Well, this is what everybody else thinks. Oh, this is what the pastor told me to believe, so I'm, it must be true. That, that is where people get stuck. Most of, of the, the Christian believers, most people in churches are right there just stuck. They haven't come out to dis discern for themselves, to study for themselves, to read, to learn, to step out in faith. They just stay where the group is. Uh, Jesus might have called this group, O ye, ye of little faith. That's where most people have ended up. These are called nominal Christians, Christians in name only. They do have foundational beliefs, but they are based on what others have told them and not on personal experience or a deep personal relationship of trust with God. Wow. But here's what often happens to people in that. There is an interruption, an interrupting event, a life crisis, something that causes them to question and to analyze and to think for themselves. This interruption is called a crisis of faith. Has anybody experienced that? 
Wow, it's a crisis of faith. You lose a loved one and you begin to question, and you begin to doubt, and you begin to research and you begin to study and then you begin to talk to others and you dig in the scripture and you start to find what's going on here. And then you choose either to move forward and jump ahead through your faith or you say, no, I'm staying stuck right here with that belief. Here's when also interruptions happen when a pastor falls from grace. Someone that this group in this middle category has trusted in falls from grace and you begin to think, wow, what has happened here? And then you begin to discern whether or not you're going to stay stuck or move backward or you're going to jump out of that and move forward in your faith and you're going to trust and you're going to figure out on your own what you need to be trusting in and believing in when it comes to your faith. For others, uh, you may have gone through a divorce and you begin to question. It happens for a lot of people when they leave home and they, uh, they go to college and they begin to analyze and discuss and to figure out what they really believe. Anything that causes you to examine and think critically and deeply is where you can get out of that stuck stage and begin to think for yourself and study and learn. At this stage, you either decide to move forward out of this phase where everyone likes to stick together and be comfortable and not grow, or you move forward in your faith to a greater faith. You begin to act in faith. You begin to act with, with good works. You begin to give your time and your talents and your gifts and service to the Lord more and more because you know you can trust him with your time and your resources and your gifts and your life and your choices and your words. Then the next stage along this line continues as you devote more and more to service giving of yourself more and more to the mission and ministry of Christ. And you find yourself becoming less judgmental. You find yourself not criticizing and condemning people of different denominations or different faith backgrounds or different beliefs. You find yourself uh, not condoning a behavior, but not judging and not uh, speaking out in such critical and harsh terms that's what happens when we begin to move forward in our faith journey. You display more of the fruit of the Spirit. That's a marker of faith. How much fruit you're spilling along the righteous road. Final stage is one that very few live in. This is where there is absolutely a total commitment to God to the exclusion of self this is the kind of faith that Jesus demonstrated. <laughs> wow. You know, that's one I am striving for, but I won't get there. You know, I just know that I won't because I am not willing to completely give everything the way that one of the um, sort of the mentors of this level, uh, Mother Teresa did. That is a completely selfless faith. Well, you can see that we all grow through phases and what happens is there becomes less of self where it's, it's centered over here in the, the early little faith category and more and more of Christ. As we grow in faith, we begin spilling fruit all over the place, everywhere, every day. We just can't help ourselves. As we grow in faith, we begin to show or demonstrate our faith through the good works, such as kindness and goodness and love and all those things we begin to spill. 
we see that having faith is not enough. Having faith is not enough. We want to do something with it. The Holy Spirit <coughs> produces faith in us, and then we produce good works. See, that's that pattern again. James 2, verses 17 through 20 tells us this. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. That's in the Bible. Faith in itself is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Wow. <laughs> now, someone may argue, he says, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Remember he said that? Even demons believe this. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds, it's useless, he said. He tackled that really interesting and prominent issue, controversial issue of that day. And that is of silent believers. How very important it was to have active believers who were out sharing and doing good uh, because it was difficult to grow the faith if they were just saying, I have faith, but they weren't doing anything about it to help other Christians. Essentially, James is saying, can faith exist by itself unconnected from the rest of your life? And his answer is no. Faith without deeds is dead. That's what he said. You know, it may have the appearance of the real thing. The person may even view himself or herself as a Christian because they've gone to church, they've heard the word, they believe, they know the right things to say and do. But this is deceptive. He said, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourself. Look at what he says, these four words. Do what it says. In other words, if you have faith, spill it, for goodness sakes. Faith, and it's true today. How will we ever grow Christianity if Christians aren't spilling their faith? Faith, as, as James speaks about it, is not a system of belief, but it's a way of life, constantly drawing our, our power and encouragement from God and getting energized by God and His Holy Spirit and then going out into the world doing good. The word dead here is the Greek adjective nekros, and it means dead or without life. He said faith is dead when it doesn't come with good works. It's dead if we're not spilling fruit. Is that an ouch? Yes, Cindy, faith equals good works. It, it, it spills from us. In our area, we have the Chickamauga Dam, and you know, it stands 129 feet high, and it holds back waters from the Tennessee River. It stretches 5,800 feet across that river. It, the reservoir has 780 mile, 84 miles of shoreline and about 36,000 acres of water surface. Now, this dam has four generating units. And do you know those units have this capacity of 119 megawatts? Now, listen, I am no science expert or math expert. I had to study and research and get this right. But that is 119,000 kilowatts of electrical power. 
Now then, here's the interesting part. That is enough to light over 1 million 100 watt bulbs per hour. That is a lot of light bulbs, isn't it, in one hour? But it only happens when water is flowing. That's the only time it can happen. If all the dam does is hold back the water, then the stream up below that dam dwindles to a trickle, and then the fish downstream would even die. Lights would, would, would dim and flicker off in the entire Chattanooga area because the, it is not producing any power. Faith without works is dead in the same way that a dam that only holds back water is useless. Are we holding back our good works? Are we holding back our fruit? The power is generated with the potential is actuated, put into action by what we do in real life. As James would phrase, would phrase it, a faith that works will get to work. Real faith will spill out of us. He tells us to be patient through the trials, stay the course, stay in the right lane even when others are in the left. When others are struggling to stay faithful, we stay in the right lane. We all need to ask ourselves where we are in our faith journey. Are we just believing and entrusting in the Savior just to meet our needs and fill us with all the peace and joy and, and we just keep hold on to it and hold on to that tightly? Or are we exhibiting our faith? Are we trusting fully in Him? Are we spilling that fruit? In other words, are we letting go so that we can be all in so that we can spill out? Let go be in and spill out the fruit. Sadly, most Christians show only a little faith and they follow the crowd. As I close, let me share this story. It's, it's of a town where all the residents are ducks. Every Sunday, the ducks waddle out of their houses and they waddle down the main street to their church. They waddle into the sanctuary and squat in their proper pews. The duck choir waddles in and takes its place, and, and the duck minister comes forward and opens the duck Bible, and he reads to them, Ducks, God has given you wings. With wings you can fly. With wings you can mount up and soar like eagles. No walls can confine you. No fences can hold you. You have wings. God has given you wings and you can fly like birds. All the ducks shout, Amen. And then they all waddle home. Wow. They were listeners of the word, but not doers. They acted in unison, feeding on each other, following each other, probably holding each other up as heroes of the faith, but all were just waddling together. You know, in our faith walk, we don't have time for waddling. We need to put our faith to work. And as we leave our worship and our learning and our studying, 
We want to go out and run and we want to do for others and we want to show our faith in the world. We don't want to waddle, but to run with great faith down the righteous road, spilling fruit all along the way. Oh, Heavenly Father, we want to be people of great faith, but it requires so much of us. It requires that we come out of our comfort zone. It requires that we let go of anger or bitterness or fear or anxiety or worry or regret or all that list of other things that keep us back, that keep us stuck, waddling with little faith. Help us, oh Father, to take what we've learned and what the scripture has shown us and to adopt practices of great faith by doing as the centurion did and believing things others would dare to believe. We thank you that you've given us this opportunity to grow and grow and grow down the righteous road, and we praise you for that. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Next week, we're going to talk about gentleness. Oh, my goodness, I have a lot of praying to do. I'll see y'all. <laughs>